Good morning, St. John's. I'm sure this is a face you have not seen up here before. <laughs> and if you are taking copious notes, you will realize that my accent is not someone from Alabama, right? <laughs> All right, good. That was intentional. Uh, I am Father Ethan Ferguson, and I am an advanced degree student at the University of the South, the School of Theology, where David is. And of course, I've been asked to fill in for the day. Uh, so I will put in here a shameless plug. I am from the beautiful island nation of the Bahamas. Anyone ever been to the Bahamas? Oh, oh, oh you, you are on your way to heaven already. Um, if you've been to the Bahamas, to get to heaven, you kind of have to cut, pass through the Bahamas. So you're on your way. You're on your way. Um, and so I am so happy to be here with you today. And for those who have not gone to the Bahamas as yet, put it on your bucket list, please. It is an absolute wonderful destination uh, to vacation. That's my shameless plug. That is over. And so thank you for having me today. Bow your heads as we pray. The grass withers and the flower whereof fades away but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Words from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 41 and part of verse 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and part of verse 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. The passage today from Luke forms for us one of the most important nuances of discipleship. That is simply that it is all-inclusive and that Jesus invites and calls and beckons us to follow him. The art and craft of fellowship, as I call it, is not restricted and it is not based on class, color, or culture, nor is it based on gender, intelligence, or a specific ability. Rather, it is a call that bars through the optics of our perception tradition biases and it says come anyhow it is a call brothers sisters and friends that liberates the seeker through the art of submission to commit oneself to god and to follow god's leadership the story then that forms the basis of the gospel today presents us with two sisters who are called to ministry within the same context. And what is that context? The context is simply that of God's presence. But we know that there is nothing simple about the presence of God at all. For Luke tells us that Jesus was visiting and in the spirit of hospitality, Martha's first impulse was to prepare food for Jesus. 
You see, in doing so, she continues in the Hebrew tradition of hospitality that began with Abraham, which we read in Genesis chapter 18, where he welcomed the three guests into his tent, and in which Sarah aided or facilitated serving the guests. But what Martha did not calculate was Mary's particular understanding of what the context required. Martha saw the opportunity to do what had always been done. And we are not criticizing Martha because she knew she did what she knew to do. She functioned in what she understood her ministry to be, and this was to make the guest Jesus comfortable and to prepare a meal for him. Remember now, meals in this context were a part of the cultural ritual. It was a way of showing honor and respect, which we know that Martha had for Jesus because even when she lost control and began to vent in the midst of her frustration, she refers to Jesus as Lord. But Martha's critical error was not what she did, but rather the spirit that superintended her doing. Luke tells us in verse 40 that Martha was distracted and that by the time she came venting to Jesus, Jesus says explicitly to her in the following verse, you are worried and distracted not by a few things but by many things. The challenge then was not what Martha was doing but the spirit with which she was doing it. And now she breaches her intent of hospitality by seemingly trying to pull Jesus into what on the surface looks like a family feud. It is then while putting Mary on the spot, she also accuses Jesus, who is the guest, of lacking concern and care over her self-created crisis. I can just imagine that while she was working, she was watching Mary. And the over-preoccupation with Mary's posture now undermines her own purpose and her own ministry. Her focus was on Mary rather than on Jesus. And that was her distraction. It means then that we must be careful, my brothers and sisters and friends. We must be very careful that our focus is on Jesus. I know this sounds basic and even cliche perhaps, but the question that we must ask ourselves is, is it possible to come to church and not come to Jesus? Is it possible to sing in the choir, no offense choir, and not sing for Jesus? Is it possible to serve around the altar and still not serve Jesus? Is it possible to be a member of the vestry and that which is most important to the heart of God is still not a priority to you? Is it possible then to still do church without regard and reverence for the Jesus who inspires us to be the church? Is this possible? Martha, through her devotion, challenges that possibility for us today. 
And she allows us to see what sometimes is ourselves through her. And that our busyness and preoccupation with everything else around us are the things that have us worried and distracted. But if we are honest and want to pacify and comfort ourselves, we, we can admit that we are distracted by good things, right? Good things like potlucks and coffee hour. We are distracted by good things like stewardship programs and social outreach and social justice initiatives by buildings and maintenances. We are, we are distracted by good things. These are all important brothers and sisters and wonderful things and if they are not done, there will be a definite malfunction in the life of the church. But the question is, while we are doing these things, is our focus still fixed on Jesus? Bishop Michael Curry, speaking about the Jesus movement, had this to say, every Episcopalian needs to know this Jesus of Nazareth. Every Episcopalian must undergo a reorientation of who Jesus is so that a Jesus people can emerge, a people who look and sound, walk and talk just like Jesus. On the other side, if we look at Mary, we see that Mary, unlike Martha, is sensitive to the moment. She reads the context. She assesses the atmosphere. And immediately she understands that upon the visit of Jesus, there is need of only one thing. Jesus' presence in their home for her was an invitation to discipleship. It was an invitation to follow him, to minister and to serve, but she needed to be first and foremost at his feet. This is why Mary breaks rank with tradition and the culturally prescribed boundaries of her day. Because despite what the culture said, she knew where she needed to be. We would be irresponsible, St. John, not to recognize that the culture is still speaking to us today. The culture is promoting rights over responsibilities. The culture is seeking to divide us under the titles of sexuality and gender, race and religion, conservative and liberal. The culture is speaking through lies and conspiracies that radicalize fear and promote violence. The culture is still speaking, telling us that it is ethnically and morally right for us to have more while others have none. The culture is still speaking, telling us that we must love to hate those that differ from us ethnically or ideologically. It says that what divides us is more important than what unites us. The culture still speaks. But I love Mary because she courageously ignores what the culture is saying. And she pursues what she needs. 
And it is now more than ever that she has determined within herself she needs Jesus. She needs to be at his feet. And so she positions herself in a place of submission. Some would say surrender. And she listens to him. Maybe in this era of rhetoric and hyper-communication, words have become less valuable and listening has become more meaningful, more expressive, more telling, which is something that we can learn from Mary because if we read the gospel again, notice that she is silent in the entire text. She says nothing. Presbyterian pastor Reverend Cynthia Jarvis says, and I quote, to listen with humility is the only conceivable posture when in word and sacrament the kingdom of God draws near. The fact that Jesus was present meant that Mary could do nothing else but submit, surrender, and listen. Mary's posture, place, and position denotes the fact that she is actively listening. And that is listening with the intention to live and to obey, to serve and to share, to love and to forgive, and to become a disciple in the truest sense of the word. Mary teaches us that sometimes in order to become effective listeners, our postures must change. Not our physical position, but perhaps the routine of our lives. Perhaps the relationships that we engage in, those that are unhealthy and not life-giving. Perhaps our priorities must change. The things that are most important to us, because remember where our treasures are, there our hearts will be also. Our mindsets must change. Developing the mind of Christ helps us to adopt a sense of humility that allows us to learn and to grow and to change and to heal. It is clear then that Mary was seeking something more, something greater, something deeper, something transformative. And perhaps Mary was just tired of being busy. Are you tired today? And so it is at Jesus' feet that she finds rest and refreshment, joy and contentment, healing and deliverance, mercy and grace. Maybe this is what some of us experience when we come to church. It is during this hour that we divorce ourselves from the busyness of life and its expectations for us. And we find spiritual food, food for the soul. You see, contrary to popular belief, church is not intended to be a stressful and busy environment. It is partially purposed as an oasis in the desert of our life's experiences. It is here in the manifestation of God's unique presence that we are graced with gifts and strengths, power, and the spirit to persevere and go on. This is why Jesus says, point blank to Martha, she, Mary, has chosen the better part. 
because the part that she has chosen is the prerequisite to the part for service. The part that she has chosen is the part that fuels her desire to love and to forgive and to be what God has called her to be in the world in which she lives. The part that God calls us to choose today is the part that must fuel the part of our service. This is the part that fuels our life and our perspectives. This is the part that keeps Jesus as the focus while we are doing everything that we can to serve him and to serve the world around us. I pray then for us today, St. John's, that God may help us to move from the busyness of religion to the intimacy of relationship so that our ministry, whatever that ministry is, whatever we do to the honor and the glory of God may not cause us to become spiritually dizzy, but rather that our ministry may be rooted and grounded and birthed out of our posture before God and our understanding that there is need of only one thing. May God grant us the grace and the strength to recognize this and to do it. In his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.